Joe Biden's nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court, Ketanji Brown Jackson, doesn't know what the definition of a woman is or when life begins, but she's likely to be confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court. What does that mean for America? Also, pro-abortion violence is increasing. We experienced that last week in New York City. God is shaking America. Is it too late for us to wake up? We'll explore that question today on The Mark Harrington Show. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal. And you can donate to our ministry by going to the Mark Harrington Show website at markharringtonshow.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast by going to any of the popular podcasting platforms. Well, today we're going to be talking about a couple things. We just got back from New York City on an outreach and training uh, trip. And I want to talk about that and our experience in New York. We also want to talk about the nomination and the confirmation hearings of Katanji Brown Jackson and some of the things she said in regards to life and abortion. And then finally, if we have time, we want to talk about this gruesome discovery of babies at the University of Washington Research Facility. So thanks for tuning in to the Mark Harrington Show today. Well, let's start out. Last week, we were in New York City. We brought a uh, coalition of pro-life organizations, like-minded pro-life organizations, to conduct an urban tour of New York City, primarily the island of Manhattan. And we spent 22 hours on the streets and uh, reached approximately, at least by our estimation, 86,000 people. Uh, we had 1,000 conversations. We changed, full mind changed, Eight, 88 minds were changed and three women turned away from the abortion facility. We also encountered stiff opposition and some violence, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And so let's just jump right in here. Um, we're talking about New York City. People would wonder why we would take a team to New York. Uh, we've heard all about New York and the violence and how there's been an increase in violence and murders in New York. A lot of people would say, I'm crazy. Why would you go there? Well, here's why. New York City is really of a crossroads, not just for America. It's the crossroads for the world. People pass through New York City all the time. It's, it's just a, a place where people pass through from all over the world. So it's a it's an international city where people from all the world, all over the world uh, pass through. Uh, it's also a very busy city in that it's the best place to do outreach. No matter where you go, you're going to have people in New York City, uh, especially places like Times Square, Central Park, Wall Street, other places like that. You're never going to be short for folks. So that's why we went there. Uh, it's a great training ground for outreach. Uh, and that's that's why we, it's also the abortion capital of the world. More black babies are killed by abortion than are born in New York City. So that's why we go. And we took a team there that included representatives from Protect Life Michigan, the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform, Tiny Heartbeat Ministries, Toronto Right to Life, Project Truth and the survivors of the abortion holocaust. Some of their people and also some of their leaders joined us. And we are, we are on the overpasses in front of the abortion centers. 
including the original Planned Parenthood in Lower Manhattan that was formerly named the Margaret Sanger Center. They've removed that name since uh, because of the pressure that they came under after the Black Lives Matter riots of 2020. Uh, unfortunately, the name of the street, is it's still called Margaret Sanger Boulevard. The city of New York hasn't removed her name from the street sign. But that's what we did in New York City. And so we spent uh, five full days of outreach there. Uh, we went to all these locations and had a great time of fellowship, time to learn from one another, compare notes, show, share war stories, if you will, and build relationships for the future. These groups that we went to with are like-minded in that they all use abortion victim photography. And so what do I want to do here? I'm going to play two videos. The first is of Kristen Polo, who is uh, the executive director for Protect Life Michigan, and she shares her experience in New York City. Go ahead and play that clip. Hi, I'm Kristen Polo from Protect Life Michigan. For me, the best part of this trip to New York City was the camaraderie with other pro-life groups and other leaders. The worst part was that New Yorkers can be just a little mean. And she's right about that. It's interesting that the, the tourists, the people that are passing through or there for whatever reason, weren't the problem. You would have thought, thought that we would have all kinds of opposition, people vandalizing our displays uh, who are uh, just in New York. But this was not the case. The people we had problems with were New Yorkers, mainly uh, the people that live there. They were the ones that caused us most of the trouble. And we had some of our signs were vandalized. Some of them were knocked over. Some tried, they tried to steal them. Those kinds of things happened. And we also had a couple people threaten us uh, physically, including myself. One, in case, one, one case actually ended up in, in violence. And that is one of our people that were traveling with us, A.J. Hurley, who is the executive director for Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust, was simply holding one of our abortion victim signs on the street corner, sharing the truth about abortion. And a young lady came up who apparently, in my view, was probably post-abortive and was yelling at him and then came back and brought her boyfriend, who out of the blue jumps him uh, and from behind and AJ defends himself. So what we're going to do is play this clip. And the reason I'm doing this is I just want to share with you what we're up against. When we take these signs out into the public square, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're putting ourselves at risk, I guess you could say, in that there are people who don't know how to control themselves with someone who disagrees with them, especially over something like abortion. And they sometimes will act out violently. And we're seeing an uptick in this. And I think we're going to see more of this uh, especially if Roe versus Wade is overturned. So what I want to do is play this clip and just give you a piece of the type of thing that we encounter, unfortunately, too often on the streets. Go ahead and play that clip. Dismember. Yeah. This one right here. You hold your choice. Hey, hey, you're being recorded. Get the out of this corner. Get the out of this corner. Get the out of this corner. Get the Oh, 
stupid, bro. Come on, guy. Let it go. Let it go. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. No, let it go. We're trying to help him. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. What you're seeing here, and if you're listening on the podcast or a terrestrial radio, is uh, A.J. Hurley, who is the executive director of Survivors of the Bolshevik Holocaust they were out of California, who traveled with us. And he was holding a sign. Someone came from behind and, and basically jumped him. Now, fortunately, A.J. knows jujitsu. And so he told him he was going to defend himself, and he took him down and was able to defuse the situation and neutralize it. Thank God. No one got hurt. But this is the kind of thing that we face, and we need to be prepared for this even more as the days grow closer to the decision of Ro the, uh, the, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And so our organization, we teach our young people to uh, we, we teach them self-defense techniques uh, in, in that we are trying to dissipate and neutralize these attacks. We're obviously trying to get ahead of them in that we are trained for situational awareness uh, to identify these threats, to profile those who might threaten our people. And then if it happens, to be able to protect ourselves and then flee from the area. In this case, uh, AJ took him down. I think that was completely uh, legit and understandable that he did that because he was charging him. But the point of the matter is, is that as pro-life activists, we are facing increased hostility, increased violence on the streets. And I think it's going to continue, if not increase. And we are not going to be intimidated. We are going to continue to do what we do because that's what we're called to do. So that's New York City. Uh, and what I want to do now, I want to move on and discuss the, uh, the hearings of Kentanji Brown Jackson, who has been nominated by Joe Biden to be on the U.S. Supreme Court. The hearings have been going on here for the last several weeks. She testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and she was asked a lot of things. And as we all know, she was asked what the definition of was a woman, what a woman was, and she said she wasn't a biologist. That was national news, of course. But she was also asked questions relating to abortion. So what we want to do, we're going to play this clip and then I will comment. So go ahead and play the clip. When, uh, when does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. Do you have I, a I belief? I, I have um, personal, religious, and otherwise beliefs that have nothing to do with the law in terms of when life begins. Do you, do you have a personal belief, though, about when life begins? I have a religious view. Religious belief? That I set aside when I am ruling on cases. Okay. Stop it there for now. So she's asked when life begins. She kind of uncomfortably chuckles, which is a way of communicating that this is bothering her. Uh, she doesn't want to answer this question clearly. And you got to give the senator, Senator Kennedy, some uh, credit for bringing this up. But she completely avoids the issue, uh, understandably, as a pro-abortion judge who has uh, in the past historically has voted or ruled 
in favor of abortion, and we clearly understand that she is pro-abortion, she avoids the answer altogether. And she basically says she has a religious view. This is a way of dodging the question altogether. He wasn't asking her for that. He was asking her what her belief about when life began is. We understand, religiously speaking, the Bible is clear that life, human life, begins at conception. If we read Psalm 139, the famous scripture, it says this in in verse 13 through 16. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The Bible is clear. Life begins at conception. She says, I have a religious view. Believe me, her view is she supports abortion. She's pro-choice. She's pro-abortion and didn't want to answer the question of when life begins. The interesting thing is we all know that science teaches that life begins at fertilization. There is not a respected or noted embryologist in America that would disagree with that. In fact, the book that is used in most medical schools to teach embryology is entitled The Developing Human, Clinically Oriented Embryology, and it's written by Moore and Persaud. And on uh, page two, it says this about when life begins, quote, a zygote is the beginning of a new human being. Human life begins at fertilization, unquote. So there is no one in the scientific field that disagrees with this. What they would say and what sometimes they conflate the issues of when life begins with when we would ascribe rights of personhood, they conflate those two. There isn't anyone who is worth their salt scientifically that would disagree that life begins at fertilization. What they would say is that the legal personhood uh, does not then attach to that developing human. That is the debate over abortion. Uh, She didn't go there. She avoided it by saying she had a religious view. Uh, Let's not, uh, we we understand where where she stands on this. Uh, Any third grader, especially a homeschool third grader, I don't know about public schools these days, would know that life begins at conception or fertilization. Now, beyond that, she's asked about the issue of equal protection of the law, which is found in the 14th Amendment. Go ahead and play that clip. This, again, Katanji Brown Jackson in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. When does equal protection of the laws attach to a, to a human being? Well, Senator, um, I believe that the Supreme Court. Um, actually, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. I don't. Okay. Unbelievable. I mean, it, this is shocking. Uh, I've watched a lot of confirmation hearings in my day, and I've seen a lot of people dodge questions and not answer them. But this is. This takes the cake for sure. Katanji Brown uh, Jackson on both of these issues: when life begins, and when does uh, a human being, when does a, the uh, equal protection attach to a human being, completely dodged the issue. She started out by saying the Supreme Court has said, and she knew if she went down that road, 
she would be affirming Roe versus Wade because the Supreme Court did rule that the word person does not include the unborn. Uh, and so she didn't want to answer that because if she did, then she would be so so-called prejudicing herself uh, for future uh, cases in which she might be hearing cases on abortion. Uh, one final note on this, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, former justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, said once that the right to abortion founded in the Roe versus Wade decision and the right to privacy was a flimsy, as she put it, very flimsy legal argument. She always believed that the right to abortion should be found in the Equal Protection Clause because she believed that the right to abortion was necessary for women to have available so they could participate equally in American society and culture. And so she always believed that uh, Roe versus Wade was a flimsy argument, flimsy de decision, and she believed it should be found in equal protection. And I'll submit to you that I can tell you that there are lawyers across the country right now that are preparing the very lawsuit that she talked about. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, which we hope will happen, and I think is likely, or very uh, degraded in a, in a large way, we may face a, a situation where the pro-abortion side will sue a state based on equal protection and say that the right to abortion should be founded in equal protection. And in so doing, uh, we may be in a more, even a more difficult case, situation than we were in Roe versus Wade. So we got to be careful for what we're asking for. We obviously want Roe overturned. We want it taken off of the, uh, the, the, the table of the U.S. Supreme Court. But I can tell you the pro-abortion advocates right now, legal people are probably preparing an argument, a case uh, based on legal protection. All right. So that's Katanji Brown Jackson before the U.S. Supreme Court. Or I'm sorry, before the Senate Judiciary Committee most recently. Now, what we want to do here is, is move on to our final topic, and that is uh, the the gruesome discovery of babies who are being researched on uh, at the University of Washington uh, Research Facility. Uh, friends of mine who are part of Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust and other organizations were able to discover this freezer of babies who had been killed and now are being uh, prepared to be researched on. Uh, this is unfortunately not something new, but it continues despite the fact in 2015, uh, David Delighton with the Center for Medical Progress, if you recall, just what, seven years ago, released a series of videos of Planned Parenthood uh, staffers involved in the buying and selling of baby body parts for research. This continues right now in America in these facilities. At the University of Washington, it's happening. It's happening at the University of California at San Francisco. And it continues to happen at the University of Pittsburgh. In fact, a while back, and, and we can pull up that article, at the University of Pittsburgh, they're grafting human hair or scalps onto mice. 
Uh, and they're overt about it. They're, they're not even holding back on this. This is public knowledge, public information. Uh, and this is the type of thing that continues uh, day in and day out in America. And it's, it's gruesome. And it just gets to the issue, uh, what I said earlier. And that is the God is shaking America. He is showing us the deeds of darkness. He's showing us what the shedding of innocent blood looks like. He's showing us what abortion is. And as the days and years and weeks and years go on, I believe God is going to show it all, that we're going to see exactly what's going on through these types of exposés, if you will. And the question is, are we going to repent? Are we going to come to Jesus Christ and repent for the shedding of blood that we have permitted the wholesale slaughter, unabated child killing for 49 years in this country? Because if we don't turn from our wicked ways, if we don't repent, there is no future for us. Uh, let alone that we kill our children. There certainly is no future there because we are killing our offspring. But nations that kill children, that shed blood, have no future. And so I think time is running out on America. I mean, it's surprising to me that we've, we've survived this long. And I guess it's by the mercy of God that we have. But time is running short. I, I think you see it, the escalating events and things that are happening across America and across the world are indications that God is removing his hand of protection from our nation. And if we don't respond and repent for the shedding of innocent blood, it could be too late for us. And so if you would pray for us, pray for our team who continues to go out on college campuses and high school campuses across America. So you can take action in several ways. The first thing is prepare yourself, read about what's going on, educate yourself, and don't go to the mainstream media, the fake news. Uh, don't get it from the television set. Find alternative media sources online or other places and inform yourself, educate yourself, stay up with what's happening worldwide with the Great Reset, what's happening in America with, with the Biden administration and the corruption, what's happening at, at the uh, at the U.S. Supreme Court, at the Congress level, at the congressional level, and at your state legislatures. Educate yourself. Number two, document what you see. Uh, that's what we do through video and through other means. We document all this stuff because we have to be our own media venue. We have to be willing or able and uh, to deliver this information through alternative means. Because social media, current social media platforms like Facebook and others uh, are, are, are pretty much, you know, off limits for this type of information. It has to come some other way. So make sure that you document what you're doing. And then finally, defend your family, your friends, and your sphere of influence. Do the things you need to do to prepare yourself and others for the coming crisis, which is really upon us right now. And finally, if you would, when it comes to my program, uh, share this with friends of yours. Uh, you can pick up the program on Apple and Google Podcasts, on Spotify and all the popular podcasting platforms. Uh, ask people to, to subscribe and like the program and leave a five-star review. Uh, you can simply go to MarkHarringtonShow.com. That's MarkHarringtonShow.com. 
to uh, check out all the popular podcasting platforms. We have the video there that you can watch. We come to you every week. And you can also pick it up on terrestrial radio here in Ohio and all across America uh, on uh, 180 uh, radio stations. So go to MarkHarringtonShow.com. And finally, if you would, go to the uh, website and leave a comment or question for me, and I will read it on the air. Uh, we ask people to, to give us feedback. If there are people that you want to have us interview uh, that, you, that you know, I'd be happy to cons consider that. If you have a question or comment that you'd like answered, I'll be happy to, to bring that up on the air and share it with others and in, 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 in things. And, and, and then finally, and this is the most important thing, please get behind us in prayer and in action. Pray for us as we continue to do things that most pro-life organizations are unwilling to do like go to New York City, like expose these deeds of darkness by showing the victims of abortion, whether photographically or actually, you know, with organizations like survivors who are exposing and actually coming into contact with the actual bodies of the aborted children. Stand with us uh, in prayer and in deed. And you can support our uh, ministry and the radio program by going to MarkHarringtonShow.com that's MarkHarringtonShow.com. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember, America, to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to MarkHarringtonShow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.